Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by Jordan Climack again, because, Jordan, there's more Browns NFL free agency news that we have to discuss. Yes, there is. Look, we we told the people we'd be back when there is news, and there is news, so lo and behold, we are back, Henry. Well, and I'm glad we didn't record just after the Tack McKinley signing because yeah. it was so first it was Tack McKinley and we're like, eh, all right, all right. Like that's probably not like emergency episode kind of worthy. And then Higgins, right. the Higgins news came out. And I was like, ah, maybe that's the <laughs> end of wave one. And then and then we even got the Troy Hill news today. So glad we waited. Really now we can talk about all three of those signings and the other news that has come down in the last couple of days here, Jordan. Plenty plenty to talk about on that front in the NFL. It's been a crazy week. We got NFL, we got March Madness going on right now. I can see it out of the corner of my eye. I know you have it on too. I mean, yeah. there's just too much sports. I'm on sports overload right now. I know, exactly. This is the best time of the year. And like, I'm, I'm glad the NFL offseason finally reached that status of like the NBA offseason. Like I, I, I'm a huge basketball guy. So like NBA is always my thing, but I know people that like aren't really that big of basketball fans and they're always like, you know, I like the off season more than the regular season, which is like, I'm always like, what the hell are you talking about? But at the same time, it's like the NFL off season is kind of becoming like that. Like it really is like a lot of people moving teams, big moves almost every day. And I am here for it. Let's go. Absolutely. And that's because people have figured out that there is value in free agency. It's just figuring out the right players to spend your money on and how to do it strategically. And the Browns are one of those teams that has spent strategically so far in free agency. Jordan, let's start with the new additions. Why don't we go in reverse order? Because I feel like the Troy Hill signing is a little bit more newsworthy. A four-year, $24 million deal for Troy Hill. He is... Yeah, play slot corner also outside for the Rams last season. So he's the second addition from the Rams secondary last year that the Browns are bringing on originally from Youngstown, Ohio. What were your initial thoughts on this one? Well, look at you, Henry. I, you can tell you're a journalism guy. You can't bury the lead, right? <laughs> no, no, I would. I know I went with the, the one that happened most recent first, but yeah, there you go. But uh, yeah, so my my initial reaction was um, I was actually on my way home from work and I was, all of a sudden my phone started blowing up. It's like, of course, the second I leave, something happens and just how it goes. And initially I was thinking, is it going to be another edge guy? What's it going to be? And I saw Troy Hill, another guy that wasn't on my radar at all. Like for whatever reason, I just didn't have any of this, these Rams secondary guys on my radar. But an incredible signing. I am absolutely here for a guy like you talked about. He can play on the edge or not on the edge, excuse me. He can play out wide. He can play in the slot. Like... I think he's good enough, and I think he's going to be that kind of guy where if it's a two-wide receiver set, you might see him, see him uh, line up wide against the, you know, the number two wide receiver for the other team. If it's a trip set that the offense comes out in, I think that he slides inside and becomes that nickel guy, the number one ranked nickel cornerback by PFF. And I know you sent me that text earlier, Henry, and I, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, yeah, exactly. So, And you look at the Rams, too, number one secondary in the NFL last year, and the Browns have poached two of those guys from that secondary put it into a secondary that was one of the worst in the NFL. And look, I know I've had that conversation with people. It's like, well, yeah, but you know, Jalen Ramsey might be the best corner in the NFL. And he contributed to that too. Yeah, I get it. But nonetheless, you're going to take a great safety who fits in this um, defense and John Johnson, who's going to be able to, that four, four, two, five, 
fits perfect in there. And then you get another guy. Like we've been talking about who's going to be that nickel guy. Kevin Johnson, we hoped he was going to be that guy. He's not that guy. They didn't bring him back. He's on a one-year deal. Actually signed with the Titans today. So who's going to be the nickel guy? It couldn't have been better to get Troy Hill, a guy who is versatile, a guy who has a you know a multitude of skills that he can apply to that defense. And a guy, again, you're going to play him wide. You're going to play him on inside. The kind of guys like that and the guys that can produce in both instances, you really can't put a price tag or a value on that. So I'm I'm very, very excited, man. Andrew Barry rolled up his sleeves and he got to work again on this offseason. You know, Browns fans the whole time, oh, you know, nothing has really happened yet on that first day. Then John Johnson happens. And then, you know, Browns fans were kind of all sitting there like, yeah, still waiting for a couple moves to move. More moves trickle down. And every single move that I've seen made has been highly acclaimed by people that I trust within the NFL, Henry. And you brought up a word that I think is the key to this signing, and that's versatility. Yeah. Because I think the thing about Troy Hill that's so intriguing to me is, is look, he's going to be best in the slot for sure. That's, as you mentioned, he he's great in, in the nickel and dime packages. The analytics just love him there as far as that concern is concerned. So no surprise that Andrew Berry and company would feel similarly. But he also has played some outside before and he can do that and I think that's key because what have we talked about all offseason is the challenge with this secondary is you're not sure what you're going to get with Greedy Williams if you're drafting a young guy there you're going to be playing a lot of youth in the secondary with potentially Grant Delpit and that young guy and maybe Grady Williams not guys with not a lot of NFL experience and so to bring in a guy who also plays a ton he played the most snaps of anybody in that Rams secondary last season so a guy that that can always be counted on to be on the field and can play inside, can play outside if you need him to in a pinch. If some, you know, if Ward's banged up, if Grady Williams is banged up, hopefully this can kind of alleviate the concerns with like a Robert Jackson taking the field you know, for the Browns that happened way too often last season. So, oh yeah, the name versatility I think here is huge. And, and if all goes well and he's in the slot, he's he's a perfect slot corner, like you said. He, he replaces Kevin Johnson, who was one of my least favorite players on the Browns last year. The, the combination <laughs> of the tackling and pass coverage. I just, I, I will be happy to see somebody else there. And it, to me, this, this signing makes all the sense in the world for a decent price. Yeah, a decent price as well. And here's the other thing too, um, that we have to mention that played into this signing, I believe. Obviously, um, Terrence Mitchell uh, mm-hmm. was assigned by the Texans, correct? I, I believe um, you're right. Texans on a, on yeah. a small deal. The Texans well. were just like scooping up the Browns play to sign like Tavier Thomas, Tay Davis. I think I might have even signed Vincent Taylor too. I, uh, maybe I might be wrong on Vincent Taylor, but I've been every single time I see a Browns <laughs> player go off the board, I was like, what the hell are the Texans doing? Nonetheless, I, it, but you know, I was thinking, um, you know, we had this uh, topic on our show today of who was going to be more valuable or like who is going to be harder to replace on the defense and the two guys that the Browns lost from starting positions on defense last year, that being one Larry Ogunjobi who signed a one-year deal with the Bengals, the other being Terrence Mitchell. And I mean, we might disagree on this, Henry, but I think that Terrence Mitchell was like, I like Terrence Mitchell. I thought he was pretty good for what we asked of him for two years. I'll go back to two years ago when uh, that dude, I don't even like to say his name, so I'm just going to call him faceless dude was uh, coaching the Browns. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you remember the first four games of the year, not this previous season, but the year before when the Browns went six and 10, 
Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams were both out for the first four games of the year. So who started at corner for the Browns, Terrence Mitchell, and it was TJ Carey. I thought both of them held their own in that regard. Then Terrence Mitchell got a lot of tick this year because of the Greedy Williams injury. And like Henry, I can't remember a time where I was like, God, you know, if, if Terrence Mitchell just, if he didn't get burned all game, we would have won. Like, you know, Browns fans are so quick to like go for the head of any cornerback for whatever reason. You know, people went after Joe Hayden for a long time. People went after Buster Screen for a long time. Like, they're just guys that the Browns fans just get onto. And it's like, if you really know football and, and can really break down what you're seeing, you know that these guys aren't as bad as they're making up them out to be. So I thought Terrence Mitchell was going to be harder to replace on that defense than Larry Ogunjobi. How do you replace him? You Like, we didn't know what we were going to get from Greedy Williams because he's been banged up, you know. It's, he had his moments of uh, where he shined a little bit his rookie year, and he had moments where he was like, okay, you obviously got to get better. And obviously that, you know, you know that coming from a rookie. But we don't know what we're going to get from him coming into this year. So to go out and sign a guy like Troy Hill, Age 29, he's a veteran, adds some veteran presence to this defensive backfield. And, and I just – I can't say enough about it. I'm really excited about this signing. I really like what the Browns are doing in their secondary. Because Let's just face it. Their secondary was shit last year. It just was. And there's no other way around it. There's no way to sugarcoat it. The, to your point, there guys like Robert Jackson were getting a lot of tick. And, you know, I always bring this back to Robert Jackson because I had to brought this up with a couple of friends when it was like, why is like why is why are we getting burned? Why are these wide receivers getting burned? And and particularly that last game of the year against the Steelers, where I think Jackson had to start at corner. I was like, just put it this way: I, I play Madden a lot. Robert Jackson was a 62 overall in Madden, right? Like, so think about that: the, the, a guy that's 62 overall in a video game, you're having to start at corner. Like, what can you expect from that? There was very little depth there. So for the Browns to add a guy like this, I, I just again, I don't think that enough can be said about it. It just makes a lot of sense. Right. We, we, exactly. like, you know, we Henry, spend- isn't that the thing? Like, like how many times, like every single move that I feel like Andrew Barry has made, that's kind of been our reaction. Has it not like, Hey, this move makes a lot of sense. One from a financial standpoint and two from a schematic standpoint. Like those are the two things that I feel like we've said with pretty much every move Andrew Barry has made so far. Well, and it's the thing with armchair GM, right. And it's what I try to avoid sometimes is Clearly, we don't get paid to evaluate the players, right? And obviously, that's a difficult thing to do in, in terms of evaluate the players. But to me, what's the most, what's the easiest thing to criticize about some GMs is the process, right? The philosophy. Okay, does this make sense? And and like the Bears are getting widely panned for Andy Dalton, right? Because it doesn't really make sense. Like you yeah, need right. to elevate at quarterback, right? So that's the easiest thing to to criticize it's the same with the draft like taking Brandon Whedon to me is like oh that's a process failure the guy is so old that it doesn't really make sense with the timeline of the team Andrew Barry is the opposite the process the philosophy makes so much sense in terms of what we're talking about with all these signings like, what do we say the Browns needed to address coming into free agency slot corner get somebody in the rotation on the defensive end if you're gonna you know go get somebody at 26 get a safety because of how much Andrew Barry likes to play or Andrew Barry and Joe Woods likes to play <laughs> safeties on his team, do all of those things. And that's exactly what he's doing. It's just like, you know, knocking them down one by one. He's just addressing the needs exactly as the Browns, you know, have identified them. And then on top of that, the value seems there, right? He's not spending overboard on any of these players, but in the case of Troy Hill, it's also Mary Kay Cabot phrased it a little bit differently she said four years up to 24 million which makes me think there's definitely like that is certainly not 24 million dollars guaranteed as we know 
in NFL right. contracts. So this is, I think, will come in at a very reasonable deal where he'll really be, you know, the majority of that guaranteed money is going to be in the first two years. And after that, I'm guessing there's very little on the back end. So it just it, it, the price makes sense. The player makes sense. The need makes sense. Just kind of check, check, check again across the board. It's not quite as glamorous as the John Johnson signing, but really very similar. Same team, same position group, just a, a different fit, uh, but ultimately one where everybody's kind of just sitting back and nodding their head saying, yeah, smart signing by a smart franchise. And that's just uh, unusual to be in our position that way, <laughs> but it feels like that's the consensus from all the experts. And, and I agree with them in this case. Almost fell to my chair when I heard you say he's smart franchise. <laughs> hey, everybody is <laughs> no, no. looking at the Browns saying, hey, these signings make a lot of sense. It's just insane, Henry. We're pretty much the same age, and we, we grew up like just being able to just rip into the Browns for just how stupid some of these moves are, how, how stupid a lot of their free agent signings were. And to your point of like, you know, I'll go back to last offseason as well. You know, we have last offseason, and, and so far the, you know, the week into this offseason that we are to evaluate Andrew Barry and – it's been obvious. There's been glaring needs on both in both years of, okay, last year was offensive line. And what do you do? It's Jack Conklin, it's Jedrick Wills, you know, it's tight end. It's Austin Hooper. And then it's just like, there's so many. And then this year, of course, defensive back, you know, linebacker, which, you know, they signed Malcolm Smith. I, th I think they still have another move left in them there. Um, Tack McKinley on the defensive end. So it's just like, there's a lot of moves, but here's the thing about it, Henry. It's, it's one thing to say you have needs, go out and sign people. It's another thing to be smart in doing so. Because again, you made the point of Andy Dalton. Bears needed a quarterback. They threw $10 million at Andy Dalton and said, have fun with this roster. You know what I mean? It's the same exact, it's pretty much, you might as well just have kept Mitch Trubisky at that point. So it's like, there's a way to address your needs and kind of be reckless in doing so. And for a long time, that's what the Browns were doing in their front office approach to how they're, you know, sign these guys and draft players and everything we've seen from Andrew Barry so far is okay. We have needs, but let's be smart in doing so. And another reason that you can say that every move has been calculated has been well thought out by this front office, because the fact of how I opened this podcast, I mean, I'm saying, you know, bronze fans are sitting here like, all right, what are we doing? What are we doing? Let's go out and sign some people. The front office was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. We're going to sit back. We're going to let things play out. We're going to figure out what dollar figures make sense for us, what players make sense for us and what fit for those players makes sense for us. And they targeted their guys and they went out and got them. And the other thing that we have to mention about this is John Johnson took less money to come to the Browns. That can't be said enough. He had, um, I think the Browns tweeted out something last night where he's talking about like the dog pound and like how excited he is to play for a city that loves their team, which I thought was an interesting and kind of funny dig at LA they're just you know more concerned with like the pop culture out there than actual sports cleveland's all about sports and football here so again to like get these guys that want to come here like troy hill had multiple offers i guess the giants were after him hard and he said no i want to go play for the browns it's just I, I, it's speechless I, i'm trying to i'm trying to think of words to come up with to say and describe this feeling as a browns fan of of sought after free agents having multiple choices and for the first time ever being like, you know what? I want to go play in Cleveland. It's insane, but it goes back into how calculated, how calculated, how smart, how thought out these moves are by Andrew Barry in the front office. And we're seeing how it's playing out in free agency right now. It, it has been a joy to watch. There's no doubt about that, but Jordan, you mentioned 
the Browns not being big spenders. One place where there was a lot of big spending in free agency was at the pass rush position. A lot of mm-hmm. and analysts were saying, wow, a lot of money going there, uh, four and five year deals, uh, even Bud Dupree, Matthew Judon, a lot of these big deals. The Browns had been obviously linked to J.J. Watt. There were rumors they were going to go after some other big names. Ultimately, that is not what happened. They signed basically a flyer one-year, $4.5 million deal for Tack McKinley. Mm-hmm. He it, it comes in on the defensive line, a little bit of a different signing than I think people expected here, Jordan. Though we we did talk about, and I think I, I said on the, the last show that my kind of thought was, uh, a little bit of a cheaper spend there to fill both slot corner and defensive end in, in free agency. But Tack McKinley, uh, a, not the big name Browns fans necessarily were talking about prior to free agency. So Jordan, how does that signing fit into all of what you were just saying? Well, it's again, smart, makes sense for both parties because if you're Tack McKinley, it's okay. I got to prove it one year deal. If I come out and ball and this team is in a deep playoff run and I am making plays and everyone in the NFL is watching me do so. I'm putting good film on tape. So it's like, it's a good scenario for him because you come here, you come into a good team, you come into a position of need on a good team. And then for the Browns, you're looking at it, it's one year deal. You're not committing to this guy long-term. It's only $4 million for one year. Not sure of how, uh, how much of that is guaranteed or not. But again, if it doesn't work out, you're the Browns. Okay, we took a one-year flyer on this guy. It didn't work out. That's no you know hair off our back. And again, if you're Tack McKinley, it's okay. And, you know, I'll just move on from there. But here's the other thing we have to mention about this. I talked about how calculated, how thought of, uh, how well thought these moves are by Andrew Berry in the front office. Henry, back when Tack McKinley was released by the Falcons, um, kind of like three-fourths of the way through the season last year, the Browns put in three separate waiver claims on Tack McKinley. They wanted him on that defense last year. That was when we still had Olivier Vernon. So, there's two things that say that, um, that, you know, seeing the signing and knowing that we were after him last year, two things this means to me. One being, I think that we still have another move left in, in defensive end. I, I think that we look at Tech McKinley as a rotational piece on that defensive line. Uh, I think we want him to split time with someone else or maybe be like a third down type guy. Again, I, I will see how that plays out. But the other thing is too, like they want him, they targeted him they they see something in him where they think he can fit perfectly into this defense. Because again, they tried to get him a couple months ago. Now they try and get him in free agency. Like there's something to that. And we know that Andrew Barry isn't just like picking names out of a hat to sign. He's, he knows what the hell he's doing. He's proven that. So again, it's going to be, I think we're not done at defensive end. And two, I think that this, this front office, I can't really say because I haven't, you know, admittedly enough, I haven't seen Tack McKinley play a lot. And I think he only appeared in a couple of games last year. Still a young guy, only 24, 25 years old. So again, I like the move. I can't like, I'm trying to think of like negative things or like look at it from like, you know, kind of just like to play devil's advocate. And I really couldn't think of anything because again, a one-year deal, if it doesn't work out, so what? It's a one-year deal, $4 million that comes off the cap next year and the cap spikes. So it's like, you know, I I don't know. It's low risk. That's for sure. I'm not as wild. Low risk, high reward. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. I'm not as wild about this signing just because I do think it's low risk in a vacuum in the sense that like, hey, it's four million bucks one year. Tack McKinley, look, he's had inconsistent production, injuries, all that stuff. So if if it doesn't work out for one of those reasons, OK, you know, no worries. It's not going to impact the Browns long term. I, I will say, though, outside of the vacuum, if I look at this. 
he is more of a rotational piece, but it, because he's not super reliable, I think this puts a lot of pressure on the Browns to either sign somebody else or, or hit on pick 26. And what this really screamed to me was, we're taking a D end at 26. We're taking an edge guy okay. at 26. That's really what I got out of this because I don't think Tack McKinley is who you go into the season with just written in pen as your starter yeah. opposite Miles Garrett. And just if you look at the board at 26, there's so many guys there that, that are edge type players, whether it's, you know, if one of the Miami guys has fallen to that position or, Ojolari, or there's so many, there, there's so many different guys, Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest. I, everybody has their own preference as far as where those guys line up in the draft, depending on which mock drafts you're looking at, which experts you listen to. But I think the consensus overall is there's a lot of guys in that range. So I'm guessing that the Browns have identified somebody or a couple guys there that they think they're going to go draft. And that's why they brought in Tack McKinley is, hey, He's kind of an insurance in case that first round pick isn't going to play as much or if they need to be worked in a little bit to the rotation. He's a third down weapon. Like you said, that's an option as well. You know, some of those guys at the end of the first round have, have done some inside pass rushing. So maybe Tack McKinley can play with them in, in passing obvious situations, but he doesn't scream to me reliability. Obviously the Browns have identified yeah. him as somebody they, they think has been misused in his previous stops. You mentioned the previous waiver claims, all of that. But I also look at Tack McKinley and I have to squint real hard to see him being the starter opposite miles Garrett on the Browns <laughs> late in the season. Yeah, no, I agree with you, but here's my question for you then. Have, are there certain names that maybe you've identified or you thought would fit in on this defensive front? If you think that's where the Browns are going to go with, 26 overall pick because I mean we know how important edge rush is like that's it's a premier position in the NFL so those guys usually come off the board at the top and you, when you're pick, drafting at 26 again that's like essentially like a early second round pick right so is there a name or two that you see or maybe you've seen mock to the Browns or maybe you've just watched play and thought hey this guy would fit in perfectly here now knowing that we have Tack McKinley so one is Jalen Phillips. There, there's two Miami yeah. guys, Rousseau and Jalen Phillips. Rousseau, Rousseau, yeah. He's probably gone before us. Jalen Phillips, right. maybe two. So Jalen Phillips was basically a super high recruit who had major concussion issues and people thought might have to retire from football. But now he, he's he, he, obviously in the draft. So there's definitely the injury concern, but talent-wise, I, I mean, the clips of him are unreal. I mean, he's just smoking people in the college level. level. So he could be there. I think that it's tough when the red flags are are medical like that, where I don't know if teams will, you know, if somebody will jump at him and not be as concerned by the medicals, if, if other teams won't jump at him and he'll fall to the Browns. So he's a little bit more of a wild card in that sense. The other guy to me, and, and I've seen him going later in a lot of places, and I get that, is I am a Basham Jr. fan out of Wake Forest. Bigger okay. guy. He's a 6'5 frame kind of kind of – uh, like, you know, like a Miles Garrett, uh, you know, that's being, you know, obviously he's more of a, a, you know, back end of the first round, second round talent, but, you know, questions about his motor. When I see that, I look and I look at Wake Forest's record and that doesn't bother me as much. I think there were questions about Miles Garrett similarly when his team was getting blown out. And so to me, I'm not as worried about Basham Jr.'s motor as much. So those two are the two guys that early on drafts wise, I like out of that class, but I think it's going to be somebody. And so that's really yeah. my larger overall point is that as I look at this team, I think 
everybody's talked about the second and third round corners being deep there. Maybe it's not quite as deep at the top of the talent pool, but there's some good depth there. And now you look at our roster and you're like, hey, maybe one more big physical corner makes sense to throw in the mix, but we have our slack guy. So, you know, now this is starting to come together as a free agency draft, you know, combination. You can kind of see the Browns filling all the needs on that defense. Yeah, it's interesting you said that because, you know, my mind immediately went to, okay, like, I, you know, initially when we signed Tack McKinley, even kind of before him, when all of those big name defensive ends or edge rush guys started coming off the free agency board. And then there was that one guy that had been linked to the Browns other than JJ Watt that we were kind of waiting to see what the deal is on him and that being Von Miller. And, um, you know, I thought maybe there was a chance he get bought out. They release him, you know, he's free to sign because I don't think you were going to ever trade for a guy like that. And then of course it comes up that the Broncos picked up the last op, the, option the last year of his contract and it sounds like you know he was tweeting and and making posts about how he wanted to be you know in Denver for his whole career wanted to be there through the thick and thin so right when that happened I was like okay then who are they going to sign they signed Tack McKinley but again we both think and probably know at this point that he's not going to be your every down guy next to uh, alongside Miles Garrett and then Henry we've said on previous podcasts like hey the cornerback position it's deep you know we've had we've heard from multiple people that the Browns kind of look like that, you know, the later value in the, in the cornerbacks. Cause again, this is a deep corner draft. They'd be able to find some guys third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. And then to me, it's like, you're never going to draft. I mean, it just wouldn't be smart to draft a linebacker, you know, a, a middle linebacker, something along those lines that high in, in, in the first round. So then, you know, what does that leave you there with? That leaves you there with edge rush then. So it's funny that you said that because I was kind of starting to think the same of like, Hey, I don't know who it's going to be. It's going to be someone else. Now it kind of seems like the draft makes sense for the Browns to go at edge rush. I think so too. And that's what this tack McKinley signing auger to me. Yeah. Maybe, you know, he was kind of plan B if on Miller was plan a before the Broncos decided to bring him back on that team option. So that, that, that also could have been the idea is they were just waiting for that shoe to drop for sure. But yeah. Jordan, the other thing I do want to touch on too, is, is the Browns retention here. Yeah. Less so Malcolm Smith, though. I think, you know, Malcolm Smith played nice rotationally this year, but the big one being... I, hold on, hold on. I did, I did want to say something on, on, on that Malcolm Smith signing uh, yeah, real yeah. quick. What do you think that means for B.J. Goodson? Because I was thinking about this. Like, if there was one guy that I would have been down with bringing back, and, and maybe they still do, but if there was one guy that I was down with in that linebacking core, obviously other than the guys that are under contract, to me, it, it was B.J. Goodson. So... It's pretty interesting. Like, I, I thought he would be the guy that we'd be seeing, oh, the Browns re-signed to another deal. Instead, they go Malcolm Smith, and he's a former, former Super Bowl MVP. He's played in those kind of games. I don't know if that played into it. I mean, B.J. Goodson's played playoff games with the Packers as well. But I was pretty surprised to see them go Malcolm Smith over B.J. Goodson. And again, they still might bring B.J. Goodson back, but to see them prioritize Smith over Goodson, I was kind of shocked by that. I think it comes down to Malcolm Smith you know, it being a little bit more versatile in, in coverage, you know, in the coverage, coverage yeah. linebacker where, you know, he graded out pretty well in that area where, where I thought, uh, and I don't even know what the numbers say as far as Goodson's concerned, but I thought he really, really struggled to cover out in space. I mean, the, the chiefs at the end of that game took real advantage of, of him there. And so that's why I think that they, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if BJ Goodson's back, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they decided to move on. I'm a little bit more lukewarm on him. I thought he was tough in the middle of that defense, but 
I I wasn't huge on his lack of ability to cover out in space as well. So if they brought him back, yeah. I would be unhappy. If they if they didn't bring him back, I wouldn't be throwing my arms up. Either. See, I, I agree with that. But at the same time, and I mean, maybe this isn't saying much just because the linebacking core was so weak for us this year, this past year. But I thought he was like pretty unequivocally the best linebacker in terms of production that we had last year. I mean, maybe I'm way off base in saying that. And again, oh, I, I don't, I know, like, I don't think so. I think he was the most yeah. consistent for sure, especially right. in the run game. I just and I didn't I, expect I, any of that, like coming in, like when we signed him that one year deal. Again, I thought that that's okay. He's a guy that's going to come in on third down. Maybe he's going to, or maybe he's going to come in on the early downs to help out in the run game. Like he's not going to be a three down backer. And I, obviously, Mac Wilson went down, and he kind of had to become that. But I was really, imp- I was impressed. Maybe, maybe it's just because I was like not expecting anything from him, and to get something, I was kind of like, oh, okay. But again, I was just kind of surprised that I get your whole point of like the whole he, he lacks ability to cover that. I mean, there's no getting around that. And you're probably right that Malcolm Smith is, is a better coverage linebacker. But still, I just I was just I was kind of I was kind of shocked by that. I, I can't even lie. I, I know it's kind of like, what who cares? <laughs> the Malcolm yeah. Smith we're talking about here. But at the same time, I was just like I, I was a little interested in that. Yeah, I I don't think the the Smith signing too prevents them from bringing back Goodson too because I th- I think you know Goodson would line up more you know as the signal caller in the middle of that yeah. defense. So I I think it'll be fine either way. As I said, I you're you're not wrong in terms of that, but I think there's still plenty of time for BJ Goodson to be brought back to this team. And, and Jordan, I do want to touch just real briefly here on, on the Rashard Higgins, you know, and, and maybe not so briefly on the Rashard Higgins signing. So he comes back <laughs> to the Browns on a one year. Two million dollar deal. I pretty much below all the projections as far as people expected Rashard Higgins to get, but it was a very depressed wide receiver market and still is out right. there. So he comes back to the Browns. He's a hometown favorite. Took a discount last year. Obviously has a great chemistry with Baker Mayfield. On and on and on. So Jordan, what were when this came across? your you know your feed how surprised were you that it was a one-year two million dollar deal for Richard Higgins coming back to the Browns so um if I can just say this as plainly as possible see I always hesitate in saying stuff like this because I'm radio guy and but I'm just gonna say it Henry I was fucking shocked straight up I was shocked when when I got the alert on my phone Jake Trotter Browns are bringing back Richard Higgins on a one-year two million deal I was shocked. Not the fact that I didn't want him. Obviously, he's a fan favorite. I love Hollywood. We've talked before on podcasts of his value and what he means to this team. We don't need to get into that any further. But Henry, one year, $2 million. I understand the market has been, as you said, it was the market has been depressed this, this uh, offseason for, for wide receivers. Um, there's a lot of, you know, I saw something actually that was like the 10 best free agents available. And like, I think every single one of them was a wide receiver. So to your point, it's like, these guys aren't getting the deals. I just was shocked because Henry, he, you have to remember, he was playing this year on basically the same prove it deal that we just gave him. And even less, Henry, he was playing, he, he finished the season with a one, on a one year, $950,000 contract. Think about that. And then they so, say, okay, we, so. we see your value. We see what you mean to this team. We're gonna lowball you with a one point, uh, one year, two million dollar offer, and he decided to take it, which I can't say enough about him for taking that because that just proves how much he wants to be here, how much being a part of this culture change has meant to him. What you know, just 
playing for the city that clearly loves him. Like Henry, I've never seen, <laughs> I've never seen Twitter go so batshit crazy for a, like a third or fourth wide receiver in, in my entire life, which just proves how much the city loves him, how much he loves the city, how much they embrace each other. Like I, I, I love to see it, and I'm, I'm happy we brought him back. But I can't be lying. I'd be lying to you if I told you that I saw this coming. And we talked about, I think, uh, I think we t- touched on it in the previous podcast, Daryl Hodge, tender of him. Like that's going to be two million guaranteed to, to Daryl Hodge, no matter what. Two million dollars now to Rashard Higgins as well. We thought maybe Rashard Higgins would be the guy to get that entire lump sum of the four million between Hodge and Higgins. They're, they tendered Hodge. That's two million there, and then Higgins is two million. I was shocked because I thought he, and I think we've even talked about it again that he was worth somewhere in that four to five million dollar range. So to get him at $2.3 million, Henry, I mean, that's a steal and a half. I am, I'm just, I, I can't say enough how shocked I am that he took it. Two things I think can be true. Rashard Higgins, I think, likes playing in Cleveland. He has a great chemistry with Baker Mayfield, which I think plays into that. But also, yeah, he has talked about how he wanted to resign, how he likes it here, all of those things. That could be true. What also can be true is that Rashard Higgins didn't really have a lot of better options and i think exactly, that yeah. and i think that those two <laughs> right. things resulted in him seeing that quickly and ultimately deciding to take this one-year deal where he can get out on the market again next year hopefully in a better situation and here's the other thing too um on you know just going off that is i think that he was looking at it again saw the wide receiver market this year saw that like people were just not get, i mean we're seeing people get cashed out at edge we're seeing uh, secondary people get cashed out I haven't really seen a wide receiver get cashed out yet so to your point, it's like, he's probably considering that. The other thing that I think he is thinking of, it's okay. I'm going to take this one year, $2 million deal. Now, now I'm a millionaire, right? Like I was making, it was 950 last time. Now I'm a millionaire. I will take that. I will play with his team. I know I fit in with his team. I know I can produce. I know I can catch touchdowns. It seems like that's all he does when he's on the field is catch touchdowns. So I, I, I know I have that chemistry with Baker Mayfield. I know that this is a Super Bowl contending team. So when you take all of that into consideration, what does that say? That means I'm going to have a lot of eyes on me from other teams because the Browns are going to be playing in meaningful games. That means people are going to see him, you know, people are going to see him produce. So it's like at that point, it's I'm going to put a lot of good tape, um, you know, I'm going to put a lot of good tape out there. I'm going to produce this year. And then next year when the cap spikes is when I'm going to cash out, whether it be in Cleveland, which it probably won't be, or elsewhere. I think that's kind of the twofold in his decision-making or threefold really. And, and you hit on the two of loving to be here, city, loving him, him, not having that many options out there. I'm, I'm sure he probably had another offer. I'm sure it just wasn't anything that blew him out of the water to be like, I want to get up and pack and leave my things behind. So again, I just think is uh, a lot of it played into the fact that he's going, he thinks he can produce this year, put that out there, cash out next year when that cap spikes, because you see, you saw the, the NFL news today with this deal. They're going to basically double the amount of TV revenue that's going to come in. And that is going to cause the cap to spike next year. And so if he produces this uh, this year, then he's going to be in line for a solid payday next year. And I think that played into his decision as well. With the world getting back to normal, I, I've seen already some rumors that NFL teams are projecting that the cap will jump back up to where they thought it was going to be this year, pre-COVID. So yeah, you're talking, you know, a, a pretty substantial double-digit millions rise in the cap next year, which should free up some some opportunity for Higgins. So it makes sense from his side. It just 
you said it, you know, the, the wide receiver market outside of, you know, Corey Davis and a couple of Nelson Aguilar, some weird signings. So where those guys mm-hmm. got a lot of money. I mean, the big names, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith Schuster, a lot of those guys are still out there, you know, and may not get the contracts that they thought they were going to get. So the, you know, the, I think, this is a great value signing by the Browns. No doubt. I mean, $2 million for Richard Higgins. We were talking about $5 million annually yeah. for two years. And then people were like, ah, the market could be a little depressed. You might see it more like 3 million a year, maybe not fully guaranteed on the second year. And then all of a sudden it comes in at one year, 2 million. I mean, I this is, it, it's, it's a cheap price for him. He, he was, you know, a top 50 receiver in PFF. He has got all these numbers about, you know, great, you know, separation in terms of, you know, getting it, targeted by Baker in the middle of the field. I mean, it's just, there are a lot of promising numbers that suggest that Baker and Richard Higgins work really well together. And to get that production for $2 million a year, once again, it's a bargain deal that that makes this front office seem like it knows what it's doing. Yeah, and it allows the, you know, like I said, it. I mean, Henry, going into, knowing that you're going to into next season with, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, and Kadero Hodge. Like, it's a pretty damn good four wide receivers to like sit here right here today and be like, those are our four guys next year. Like, that's like, I can't say enough about that. And, and two things it does is it allows you to keep all those guys in the same room this year. I mean, I think we can both sit here and say that we know for a fact that, you know, Odell probably won't be back next year. I mean, it just won't make sense from a cap standpoint, but it allows things to happen this year. And again, smart calculated move by the front office. Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. It, I, I don't want to say kudos to them for not offering him more money, but yeah, exactly. But kudos right. to them for not offering him more money and recognizing <laughs> where the market was going. They, they clearly saw this and took advantage of it. So that was smart. Jordan, just one other notable uh, thing I guess is that Larry Ogunjobi is officially, you know, gone. He, yeah. he signed a one-year deal in Cincinnati. I think we, we saw the writing on the wall a little bit here. Any, any major thoughts uh, as far as that's concerned? Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't want to be too disrespectful in saying this, but like, Hey, fine, go to Cincinnati and <laughs> run the ball down your throat for two games every year. Because I mean, he was the defensive tackle for what the past three or four years, something like that. And, we had terrible, a bad, if not terrible run defense every single one of those years. So it's like, I, I was fine to see him go, Henry. I mean, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way to see him go to Cincinnati, but again, it's fine. We'll just run the ball at you next year. Like really, that was my only reaction to that. Just a <laughs> one-year deal there. But again, yeah, he, he was, uh... I liked him, but like he, let's be honest here. Like, again, if you're a nose tackle in the NFL, you're put on a roster to be able to stop the run up front control the battle in the trenches and he just didn't really contribute to a lot of success that the Browns had because they really didn't have any in the past couple of years in stopping the run. I was the Larry Ogunjobi defender for a while. I thought he did a lot of the dirty work on this team and didn't get a lot of help from the pass rushers, but it became a lot harder and harder to defend him towards the end of the year this year, for sure. The numbers just don't bear it out as far as that's concerned. He just didn't really produce on the field. And I think ultimately at the end of the season, there were a lot of indications from both sides that they were going to move on. Andrew Billings, of course, opted out last year. He seems like the guy that's going to obviously replace him as far as that's concerned. So it's not really a hole in the roster either. And so it's just kind of, 
lined up for everybody to, to part ways. But as you said, have fun. You're going to have the Ravens run game for yeah. and the Browns run game for a quarter of your season, no matter what. So that's going to be a, a handful for him. Uh, so here's, here's the one other thing that I wanted to get your opinion on before we got out of here. Um, it was reported today by Schefter that Colts linebacker, Anthony Walker, Yes, um, yes. Was Northwestern Wildcats. Yeah. Anthony Walker. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that and what you think that he could bring to this Browns team. Because, again, he seems kind of like almost like – like he almost seems like B.J. Goodson to me. You know what I mean? Like that, like the same kind of player, and at least in my eyes. I don't know if you have a different take on that. But, again, Anthony Walker from a uh, former Cole uh, linebacker here was uh, allegedly in Berea today on a visit for the Browns. No deal was done as we know sitting here tonight recording this podcast, but uh, your thoughts on Anthony Walker, Henry. Yeah, this is a guy, Jordan, I have seen a ton of dating back to college because Anthony Walker played for Northwestern when I was oh, back attending the school. So I saw a, a massive portion of his career there. And then, yeah, have followed him a little bit on, on the Colts as well. He's been up and down though, for his NFL career. There's definitely yeah. some questions about, so he's, it's interesting. He's kind of slightly the opposite of BJ Goodson in the sense that he's a little bit more of a questionable tackler in the run game. I think there've definitely been a lot of concerns about that. He's a little bit more mobile as a linebacker in the middle of the field. So he can cover a little bit better but look, I love him. He was, he was an out, he was the outstanding player on the college teams that I rooted for. He, people thought he was going to be a first round traffic for a long time. And, and so it's hard for me to act rationally when it comes to Anthony Walker, because he's one of my <laughs> favorite players, but yeah, in the NFL, it's been more mixed. So I, I, I wouldn't say he's going to solve a ton of linebacker problems for the Browns. If they swap him out for BJ Goodson in the middle of this defense, I, it's kind of a shoulder shrug from me. I just don't think it's yeah. going to really change the game. Look, he's the classic Northwestern line, but he he is a cerebral player. He was always around the football at, while he was in college, but just in the pros, he just doesn't quite have, it seems like the top end strength and athleticism to bring guys down. And, and that's just always been the concern with him. Yeah. So it's according to the pro football focus, he was the 16th best tackling efficiency and 20th and tackling grade among qualifying linebackers in 2020. So pretty run of the mill there. So yeah, it is kind of interesting. I just, it's just really interesting to me what the Browns are, you know, what they're going for at this linebacking position. Cause the only reason I even know who Anthony Walker is, is because didn't he have an, he picked off Baker in that, in that Browns Colts game. He, he, did, he right? did pick off Baker yeah. in that Browns game. Yes. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, that's the only reason like, I was like Anthony Walker. He did something against the Browns this year. I was like, oh yeah, he picked off Baker. But yeah, I mean, that would be your guy to replace BJ Goodson. If you know how I talked about earlier in the podcast that he doesn't doesn't look like he's part of the Browns' plans. But again, no no deal yet. So we'll see how things play out. Typically, at least is the way I read it, Jordan. When I see those players visiting with X team, that's a agent talk coming from the agent yeah. trying to to pit suitors against each other because the deal that they thought was there is not there. You see that. Yeah. It's a classic like Drew Rosenhaus thing uh, about, you know, this player visiting with this team. That's, I mean, dude, that's, they, <laughs> that's such a good point, man. I mean, think about it. Like, did you hear, you know, John, John, well, actually I, maybe they couldn't have, I was going to say uh, like, you didn't hear like, Hey, John Johnson's in Cleveland visit, but I think that was, was not like a legal I mean, that, tampering period technically. 
that this is why it, it's happening now a couple days into free agency is because whatever offers they thought might be there are not there and so yeah, all of a sudden yeah, yeah, kenny galladay is visiting somebody you know all that all of a sudden you get the reports <laughs> yeah. that are like hey hey he's visiting he's visiting other teams there are suitors yeah. so, you know he's on he's going all over you're gonna have to you know you're bidding against somebody else so that's that's how i read that and so that to me doesn't necessarily mean the browns are, are going to sign walker yeah, no, that's it. That's a great point. Right when you said that, I was like, yep, that absolutely makes sense. Without question, this is <laughs> the agent speak of a, hey, let's try and uh, drive up the, the price here because, again, probably not getting the offers that he maybe thought he would have got. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's are, how man. I read it. Here we uh, are. But- Wow, Jordan, that was a, uh, hey, look, it was a little longer than we thought we were going to go, but just there, hey, there, are, there are so many moves and so many things happening. And, and although none of these are that like blockbuster, JJ Watt, whole, wow, like have to go record right this second, a lot of moves that, that seem smart, that seem impactful, and I think ultimately will pay dividends for this team next year. It, it's an exciting time. I I, just, I can never remember a time where the Browns front office has just been praised so universally as it has over these last couple of days. Wait, so you can't remember because it hasn't happened in our lifetime. <laughs> that's true. So. That's true. <laughs> it's uh, it is a nice feeling. I, that is, that what is a time to be alive, sure. Henry. What a time to be alive. Maybe, right, not, maybe not, you know, you know, I was going to say maybe, maybe not what a time to be alive in, in general, just with everything that's going on. But I guess, I guess it's more of like a, what a time to be a bronze fan. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, dude, we got to get back in the stadium this year, man. That's got to We got to live it oh. up with this team. So uh, we will, we will. And I hope there uh, are many Browns fans out there listening as well. That will yes. do the same. And yes, I, I was going to say it's time to wrap it up because I need to go watch this UCLA Michigan state game. Cause I, uh, I, I had Drake minus one and a half. And, and while we were they, recording, they no, they, they won by one Jordan. So they, oh, shit. <laughs> they were down 10 when when we started setting this up and, and had come all the way back to take the lead by the time we started recording. And then Wichita, it was it was one of those things where although they won by one, they were up four and like should have won by more and blew it right in the last 10 seconds as far as the cover is concerned. Of course, they won the game. And so that's all they care about. But that's not what I care about. So my <laughs> no, natural my natural response, Jordan double down on UCLA against Michigan state here. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true gambler, Henry. I, you see, I, I got, I got Michigan state in that game. I have a, I have a, a few We're coins. We're against each uh, other. Uh, on opposite sides. I know. Sides. Yeah. So we'll have to talk about it next time, man. Uh, I hope my spart, uh, not my Sparties, but I, I hope the Sparties <laughs> get it done tonight. <laughs> Look, usually I'm a big 10 guy. I grew up in big 10 country in Ohio yeah. and went to Northwestern, but uh, in this case, I'm going with the, the powder blue in the Bruins. So we'll see, we'll see uh, how it, uh, it works out for me, but that's uh, that's why we got to wrap up this podcast. Is I gotta I gotta yeah, go, go and get go ready to watch this game. Yeah. So so Browns fans, get excited with everything going on out there. It's been a fun few days in free agency. If, if other things trickle down in wave two, we will certainly hop on the mic again. But if not, expect an early, an episode early next week. Until then, just two words for you: Go Browns. <laughs>